Hey everyone, I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kyle. And this is episode one of the Right to Repair podcast. And we're super excited to have a whole group of experts on Right to Repair here to talk with us today. Yeah, leaders of the movement will come together uh, bi-weekly to talk about um, what's going on in Right to Repair news and how you can get involved. We're going to talk about legislation, what hearings are happening in states here in in 2019. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we have hearings happening across the country. So we've got Nathan Proctor from the U.S. PERG with us, Mm -hmm. and Jessa Jones from iPad Rehab in New York, and Gay Gordon-Byrne, who is the executive director of Repair.org, which is the organization that's really been pulling all this together. So I'm very excited about the folks that we have, and we're going to have a fun hour talking about all aspects of right to repair and the fight against uh, the evil, the evil empire that's trying to keep you from being able to fix all your things. Hello, everyone across the internet. Yeah. Hey, I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kyle. And uh, yeah, this is the first biweekly live stream talking about right to repair. So um, I guess for those of you who don't know about right to repair, you can always get um, caught up on repair.org and ifixit.org on our blog. We've got uh, a recent blog article talking about everything that's ramping up for 2019. But um, I see already in comments, people are like, what the heck is right to repair? Which is great. That means that you're new to right to repair and we're here to kind of inform you, um, talk about um, how to get involved. And uh, we've got a lot of leaders on the call today and we'll have some different guests every week and different topics and talking about news and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, what's Right to Repair? So Right to Repair is a movement and uh, it's working to get laws passed in the States. So manufacturers have to provide us with parts and repair documentation, kind of like they do with our cars, right? Like with- right. So increasingly local repair shops are being shut out of being able to fix things. And yeah. and as I fix it, you know, our mission is to enable everybody to, to fix their things. We provide information and tools to you know, local repair shops and consumers, and what we're finding is that there are increasing legal battles. For example, uh, if if you have an iPhone with a Apple logo on the back pan- uh, on the back panel, there's no way to make an aftermarket back panel because you'd have to put the Apple logo okay. on it. So not we need Apple idea. to sell us those parts, but they refuse. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just Apple. There's lots of companies. Nikon decided to stop selling service parts to local camera dealers, and that's really been been a hardship for for local camera repair. And we're seeing this happen in industry after industry where where manufacturers are seeing an opportunity for monopoly and service oh. and Turn closing up the local Yeah, folks. keep it all in-house because it benefits them, but it doesn't benefit us because we bought it. We own it. We need to be able to fix and maintain it um, longer than just what the manufacturers say, which is, you know, the lowest amount of time that they can, right. that they can right. offer. So what's the history on this? Because right we've been kind of advocating and fighting for right to repair for over 15 years. Like... Yeah, I mean, what's crazy about right to repair is that it's a concept that that predates the electronics industry. It really goes back to the 1970s when uh, the EPA rolled out some new requirements that that cars would have to have like mufflers and catalytic converters because we had like crazy smog problems in LA and so it's for vehicles. But the concern was that all of the aftermarket like local mechanics wouldn't be able to maintain those emission systems correctly. And so the EPA, as part of the Clean Air Act, required the car manufacturers provide the local mechanics with the information and parts they needed to maintain the emission system. And that was like the world's first kind of right to repair concept baked into the Clean Air Act. And since then, we've had countries around the world. Europe has passed kind of similar uh, legislation. Canada has something similar around automobiles. But then what happened was around 2000, we started getting more fancy electronics in, in cars. And there was the standardized OBD or onboard diagnostic port in cars. But the manufacturers were starting to add more proprietary codes. And so the standardized... Uh, 
diagnostic was was kind of forking and you'd have to have the special Mercedes software. You'd have to have the special Honda software. And so the independent folks, which are which are run or represented, they actually have a trade association that represents them uh, called aftermarket.org. That's the aftermarket automotive, you know, association that represents all the mechanics. They got together, put a bunch of money together and, and started trying to get a law passed in Congress to get uh, updated right to repair to include all the computer diagnostics. And they completely failed. They fell flat on their face. Uh, the car manufacturers, Ford and GM, put up big money to stop them. And they realized it wasn't going to work to pass a U.S. national law. And so then they went to the states and they tried in a bunch of different states. They tried in New Jersey. They tried in Oregon. Eventually, they settled on Massachusetts. And in 2012, Massachusetts passed the first ever uh, right to – well, the first electronics-focused right to repair law. Uh, and Nathan, who's here on the call with us, lives in Massachusetts. Nathan, how did that campaign kind of go down? What, what, what did you see – what, what did you see happen as a kind of you know consumer individual living in Massachusetts? Sure, I mean the it passed like eighty six to fourteen percent on the ballot, which is essentially unheard of, especially for an issue where you have uh, you know heavy industry opposition, you know, trying to protect these proprietary uh, you know repair uh, you know systems for cars. So. It was such a landslide victory that it kind of opened some eyes about like people want more control over how they handle the things that they own, and they want to be able to choose their own, you know, technicians. They don't want to have to depend on someone else to to you know, some dealership to decide who gets to fix their stuff. And I, I get the impression they could, they framed it as a like consumer choice. Shouldn't you be able to pick which shop you go to? And it wasn't framed so much as a consumers being able to fix their own things. It was more about being able to choose your local local garage. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think people have a relationship with a mechanic that they trust, and they care about those relationships. And passing right to repair in Massachusetts at the time was really about, you know, wanting to keep the mechanics that we liked and we trusted. And that's the same now. I mean, you should be able to go to a private repair shop and trust that private tech that you want to go to instead of being forced just to go to Apple or Samsung for OEM parts or certain types of service. But we've um, got some other you know pros on the call here that we'll talk about a bit later. But um, before we get into things, Nathan, can you give us some background? You worked with US Perg. How are you involved with- What's a Perg? Um, yeah, what's a Perg? What's a Perg? <laughs> So the U.S. PERG is the the U.S. Public Interest Research Group. We're a network of state advocacy organizations which kind of stand up to powerful special interests. And whenever our rights, our democratic rights, our public health, our, our consumer rights are threatened. And so we work on we work mostly at the state level. We do have a national presence, but we have an extensive kind of network of state organizations um, which work to pass laws that you know, protect our health and environment. And uh, yeah, and we've been working on right to repair for a little bit now and, you know, working because the right to repair is really a, a kind of huge number of state laws all over the country that would pass, that would give people the right to get to this stuff that they need to fix their electronics. Um, and so, yeah, th- that's how we were kind of brought in. And now my role at U.S. Per as the national campaign director on right to repair is really to train and equip like all these different state coalitions all over the country, these scrappy groups of people who are, you know, fighting for your rights to fix things. Uh, And then we also kind of produce some independent uh, research and analysis to kind of support the case for why repair is critical and then why right to repair 
uh, is critical as a solution to, to the, you know, the rising e-waste problems that we have. And so to give you an example of the kind of work that, that Nathan and his group have been doing, you guys recently put out a report or after uh, the app, well, actually, I'm looking, this is a report from a year ago. So when battery gate was this huge thing a year ago where Apple started slowing down uh, batteries on all these phones. And uh, if, if you'll recall, you know, uh, forever Apple had been saying, you know, hey, uh, when, when your phone starts getting slow, it's just because you have an old phone. You should get a new phone. It's newer and faster and shinier and has a better camera and we have new colors. Uh, so get a new phone. And that... Uh, you know, that, that has worked. Clearly, it built Apple up into the most profitable com- company in the history of humanity. Yeah. Uh, but but then, then they said, well, actually, you know, hey, we're throttling your phones and this is happening. And but what will help fix that? Maybe a new battery. And so I was just kind of super excited. And it was just crazy to hear like the Apple earnings call, like talk about battery gate and have that be like a main focus. Like we, you know, replaced 11 million batteries during battery gate and a lot of good portion of those were probably going to be upgrades. And it really impacted their bottom line. Um, I just, the impact of battery gate, we saw it here. We, you know, started, we, we offered our battery kits to people and saw, you know, a huge influx of people that were opting for that DIY repair option right. because like the lines at the Apple store were too long or people, right. you know, had to wait too long to, to get their thing fixed. But I know that like battery gate, I'm sure had even more impact on, you know, in the pro realm. So, um, Jessica, can you, you know, speak about that a little bit when battery gate was going on? What was that like for you? And also, yeah, give an intro, um, to who you are yeah. and how you're involved with the movement as well. We've got Justin muted here. Oh, I'm gonna, and I'm now un- she's unmuted. Jesse, you may be muted on you your muted side yourself. You muted yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if Jessica can unmute herself. Yeah. All right, Hi, unmuted. Hi, I'm Jessa. I'm with iPad Rehab in New York, and we've been really active with the Right to Repair for a while now. So one I want to share with you guys, if you don't know where to start, is um, that's how I was a few years ago. I've been stunned at how easy it is to talk to your representatives. So this means you go down and make an appointment with your local state legislator representative. You're going to have a, a couple of them to pick from. They they really do want to hear from you. They're interested. They will, you know, s- stop eating lunch and 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 sit down and, and have a conversation because they they are they really care. That has been my experience in my home state of New York in Albany, but also when we've gone to uh, you know we've gone to Tennessee and we've gone to Iowa and and those guys are are easy to talk to and they want you to educate them. One of my favorite right to repair moments was uh, hanging out with a guy that that was a one of the state legislators in Tennessee, where the word on the street from the you know from the, the people in the know, which are the admin admin staff there, where you know that guy's not gonna he's never gonna talk to you guys, and in the elevator. You know, I had my iPhone six and I and I just opened it up and showed him this is where the camera is. Did you know that you're not allowed to open this up and swap that and that the Apple store won't do that? And he he, he stopped and you know, we ended up spending 45 minutes talking and, and it's great. People, they have. How are they supposed to know this stuff? So you, it's your job. You got to go in there and you got to open up yeah. some phones and and uh, and teach teach people about what repair really is. 
Yeah, I think that we saw with BatteryGate, we gave people an option to do DIY, DIY repair, or we gave them more of a reason to go to pros to have their battery swap. But that aha moment of like opening your phone for the first time and realizing that it's not as scary as you thought on the inside. Um, right. I mean, we have to, we want to show the world that, but like we really have to show legislators and people that are trying to get these bills passed for us because if they truly don't understand, you know, how easy it is for the average consumer to fix their stuff, then they're not going to advocate for us. So we're constantly trying to get people to like share their repair stories, share like who are the people that are fixing things it's where we're all fixing a lot of these electronics and uh yeah that was i just battery gate was the big moment right. for me where well, i was just like yeah. look at all these people that are actually doing this well it was a great moment where we were able to bring together we had uh, all of the the local repair shops we had we had folks like jess's operation and us all kind of collaborating together and i pulled up uh, this is the U.S. PERG report where they, they found that repair shops were seeing a 37% increase in battery replacements. Uh, people going to replace their batteries on iFixit surged by 150%. So these are all people that are finding Apple's repair option is insufficient and we need an alternative. There's just not enough of them. If you right. think about how many people have phones that need upgrades, right. like they can't hold all the, the, the power in that regard. They have to kind of, they have to share it and we got to give people options. Exactly. So the organization that has been kind of helping and coordinate all of this at a national level has been repair.org. And uh, Gay is with us. Gay is the director of repair.org. Gay is muted right now. and We'll we'll toggle over to Gay. Uh, Gay is also in uh, upstate New York, although a little bit away from where Jess is at. Hi, Gay. Hey, good to be here. So can you give us a feel? What is repair.org and who are the members and what the heck are you working on? Uh, well, we set ourselves up back in 2013, and Kyle was part of that, when we figured out that that Massachusetts automotive right to repair law was absolutely perfect, except it said cars. <laughs> so we set about figure, copying their model, and um, a number of our members in several states, our members, our friends in the repair industry, contacted their local legislators and said, hey, we, we need your help. And it literally was that simple. Um, one of a guy that runs a repair um, company down on Long Island, he knocked on the well. He was friends with a senator, and his senator said, "Well, this seems pretty cool," and he filed a bill. And we did the same thing in Massachusetts, the same thing in Minnesota, um, and then we also got the attention in Nebraska for some local people, and they went ahead and filed a bill. So we kind of um, we had a strategy of copying that Massachusetts law, and it seems to be working pretty well. And so the umbrella, the organization is essentially just an umbrella of everybody that's interested, uh, whether or not they're in the repair business, the recycling business, they're charitable reusers, or um, just people who want to fix their stuff or believe in in repair. So I was going to ask again um, at the end of this to, for you to share some of the resources and where people can um, go to reach out to their legislator. But on repair.org, we've made it really easy. Just um, repair.org slash stand up, I think it is. Stand dash up. Stand dash up. Or you can just go to your yep. state.repair.org. So newyork.repair.org, washington.repair.org. There's a, there's a page. Uh, so while we're on, while you're, you're listening to us, head on over to, to that page. Go to yourstate.repair.org and punch in, uh, punch in your zip code and then it will, it'll show you who your legislators are and you can write them a letter real fast. So I've got Ann Peters that commented and she was saying, hi from Boulder, Colorado. Sure hoping we can move right to repair legislation in Colorado in 2019 or 2020. We've got a very blue legislator right now. So 
We should chat about maybe some of the state stuff, but what's going on in Colorado? Colorado is awesome. There's a lot of momentum. Uh, We have a really solid coalition going in Colorado. And say, say, well, what's a coalition? Coalition is just a bunch of people that are interested. So Anne is uh, a friend of mine for uh, a long time. She's an environmental consultant. She's fantastic. Uh, And she has a great network of folks. So when we were actually out in in, Colorado, I was in Denver the other day and we went out to dinner with a bunch of her friends and they all had connections. And now we're starting to get these regular calls going where the people are working on, on, uh, the, you know, campaign in Colorado get together on the phone, you know, every, every week or every other week. And we talk about what's going on and it can be as simple as, Hey, we're, we think we're going to be in this committee and there's a representative from Boulder who's on that committee. Is anybody from Boulder and could just give them a call and, or, or, you know, have them over to a repair shop, uh, for lunch and, and show them the operation. And those those touches really really seem to have an impact. Everybody's asking where Lewis Rossman is. Where's Lewis? We're going to have Lewis next, on the yeah. channel. Uh, yeah. yeah, next call. Uh, uh, the goal is to have Lewis on. Yeah, Lewis, if you're watching, <laughs> just know that. <laughs> I haven't sent that email yet. But yeah, we'll definitely bring him on. So we want yeah we want to hear kind of from everybody. But going back to like some of the sustainability initiative initiatives, if you know you're not in the repair industry or maybe you haven't even fixed a phone yet, the sustainability, just the, the impact on our environment, right to repair, you know, is bipartisan. I think for many reasons, but it has this major green initiative that right. it, everybody can get attached to because we're getting rid of almost like 50 million like tons of e-waste every year. And the longer that we can keep, if we give people more resources to fix their things, they're going to keep their devices lasting longer and then they won't end up in the landfill. And uh, we're constantly trying to kind of, you know, push that as well. Like, look, there's, you know, more and more electronics getting made every day. More and more of them are glued together. Um, And Nathan, you um, were just talking with Motherboard about this. E-waste is now the fastest growing waste stream, you know, in the world. And then, you know, arguably maybe has been for a while. But uh, can you talk a little bit about that paper? report and um yeah yeah so the uh so un group uh that put out a report um at, you know at the world economic forum and they basically found that you know our relationship with electronics is really <laughs> problematic we generate an incredible amount of electronic waste in part because electronics are you know being installed in all kinds of things like from our you know from the new bluetooth connected self-lacing nike sneaker to you know kind of every children's toy has a battery and a circuit board in it now um you know we're turning everything into electronic waste and and there's consequences to that we haven't necessarily thought of all the you know what what that what's that's going to mean like long term and um you know, and one of the key things that is fueling this is the disposability of all these devices. I mean, everything from cell phones to tablets to washing machines to tractors, like they're just getting so hard to maintain. And one of the main reasons is the companies that make it like basically decide what, who fixes it and when it gets fixed. And, uh, you know, the charts that they show in this report are yeah. just stunning Um, yeah electronics electronics seem to be getting smaller and small smaller and smaller but that doesn't mean that the e-waste problem is getting smaller and in fact it's getting bigger because they pointed out that you know there was a larger number of large appliances that were you know being sent to the landfill or dying within like 
five years. And that's like, I mean, I'm not going to invest in a smart right. fridge or smart microwave for only five years because I hope I'm going right. to be living in my house for longer We're taking than that. all of the things that last for short periods of time. We're accustomed to cell phones or our electronics working for a couple of years. We're used to, if you buy a washing machine or a refrigerator, you expect it to last for 20 years. Yeah. And now it's like, let's take the tablet the last two years and let's put it into a refrigerator and, and, and add this kind of planned obsolescence. Yeah. So there was a big issue with Samsung refrigerators where they had a Google Calendar integration. So that's kind of cool. You can go to your refrigerator and see your appointments for the day. Well, Google changed the calendar API and Samsung refused to update it. And so people were having to go and jailbreak their refrigerators in order to update their calendar to get it to work again. What'd you do this weekend? I jailbroke my refrigerator. This is the world we live in. <laughs> LG's website says that you should check their website for security updates for your refrigerator every other month. Uh, it's it's crazy what they're the the volume of of kind of technology they're adding into things, and they're not the manufacturers are not thinking about how to support their products. They don't have great support systems themselves, and then they're going out and they're sabotaging the independents that try to do the service. If we can't fix it, you can't either. It's very I don't like that. <laughs> so to give you an example of the kind of thing that right to repair would enable us to do if it passed, I'd like to have Jessa explain for a little bit what her business is and what you do because one one a situation you may have been in if you you have an iPhone, you get water damage, and maybe it's not functional, but you have pictures on there you want to get off. Apple, for no amount of money, will recover the, that data for you. But Jessa's uh, team has figured out a way. And Jessa, you're muted right now. So I'm going to... There we go. Now. Awesome. All right. So, yes. Yeah, so for the right to repair, what would that mean to me and other cell phone repair shops? It would mean that we would be able to do some things that we either can't do at all or are really, really difficult. So one of the things that has plagued me in this last year was trying to import screens that were the very best screens that I could get for my customers, which would be the OEM Apple original screens with, that were cracked to have them resurfaced with new glass. That's the very best LCD. It was the one that passed Apple QC originally, has the Apple logo put there by Apple when they said, this is a good screen and they sold it. And when I sent screens like that, that I owned to China in order to have them resurfaced by guys that are really, really good at that, because that's where they're made to begin with. On the way back home, they were confiscated because, hey, there's an Apple logo put there by Apple. And so that you paid for, and you're not allowed to have those anymore. Those are, those are considered contraband, counterfeit, and thrown away. And, and that's outrageous. Things like this is why I think the right to repair is really important, because it would allow us to be able to give consumers multiple options for what do you want to do to fix your screen, just like you have with your car where you can choose to get the OEM part or you could get an aftermarket part, but there's an awareness that there's different qualities of parts out there for your car. And the same is true for lots of electronics. And we, we need to be able to have access to those uh, best quality parts so that we can make best quality repairs. So, and the, the trademark issue that you ran into is not a unique issue to you. Apple is waging this campaign against repair shops all over the place. Uh, this is a story. Apple sued a repair shop in Norway for doing exactly what Jessa is doing. They were importing actual Apple aftermarket screens uh, that had the Apple logo on them that had been repaired. Apple sued them. It went all, all the way through the court system in Norway. Apple lost. It's, it's being appealed. But it's crazy that the repair shop has to defend themselves for using parts that were pulled from devices that they owned. <laughs> yes, that's, that's crazy. I like in the chat that question that I see Corey asking, which yeah. is – 
um, you know, hey, how do, what do we say when we yeah. go talk to the to the legislators? So I, I um, when I go talk, you know, I try to focus on let's address the common misconceptions about safety. You know, so we can talk about how it's really not not inherently unsafe. You don't need to work inside a, a, a fume hood with a white coat on in order to change a battery on your iPhone to, to sort of show them what does it look like and why is this not a, a bona fide, unique safety concern. I like to talk about, uh, you know, the environment and, uh, you know, just show some facts and figures on, you know, what it costs to make these phones and, and why it's really uncool of us. If you ask our grandchildren to just keep buying phones and never, never really think about uh, what we're doing to the environment when we just replace instead of repair. Um, and then I like to talk about, the, sort of an awareness over the lack of authorized repair options. So either expense or lack of availability, you know, to, to shine a light on, if, you know, for phones, if you go down to the Apple authorized repair place, they're not going to be able to fix your phone. Why is that? What does that look like? And, and, and there's a lot of great other topics. So maybe, Kyle, you could uh, share with us where would we look to kind of see a list of that stuff or how can we get involved to, to kind of is that collected anywhere that we can just kind of print out? Well, we need to put more stuff together, but I would say most of it's on our, I would say our blog and some on repair.org. But um, I'm trying to think. But you, you're And when when we have a good idea, so if somebody yeah. in chat, you know, if you oh, have yeah. it, hey, you know what's a really good idea? How do we contribute that so that we can kind of funnel that all together as a shared resource, as a community? Yeah, great question. Uh, and that's, you know, we're trying to share more and more on the on the repair.org uh, blog on, on the news page there. Um, also, you know, uh, Motherboard has been covering this extensively. That, and so I've got up, uh, I can I can switch over to the screen. This is the right to repair um, uh, kind of coverage that, that Motherboard has been running. For example, we had uh, right to repair protests in Brussels in Europe uh, this month. Uh, which is which is really cool. Yeah. A lot going on there. And I know with just the campaigns that we do for I Fix It, we have some coming up. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet with that one. We're definitely going to talk about it on the next show. But a lot of these just kind of like a unified front and campaigns. And I, I hate to sound cliche, but like sharing this stuff on social media so we yeah. can and we do take all these stories and all these things that come together. But I think where the most impact is going to be is, you know, coming up with the special groups in your particular state. And just like you were saying, just writing the letter, going down and talking to people, sharing the story and how it impacts you on your life. And just you all brought you also brought up the fact that um, a lot of these Apple repair shops, they're just some fixes that they just won't do. And I think that a lot of people, especially we saw um, Linus Tech Tips, um, some of the other YouTubers talking about their experiences of trying to get things by fixed by Apple, and they just they just won't touch it and won't do it. Can you uh, maybe speak a little bit? Do you have any stories or like things about that or the types of repairs that Apple won't do um, to kind of show yes. why we really need pros. Sure. So Apple, it would be, it would be more clear to say, what are the repairs that Apple will do? Yeah. So Apple will change your screen on an iPhone and Apple will change your battery as long as they can get it out in one piece. So if they were to start taking your battery, the little command strips that you have to pull out and it broke, uh, then they're not going to be able to change that battery today. They're required 
to package that up and send it to the mothership. So Apple does, you know, heavily institutionalized repair, if you want to call it repair at all. It's really sort of a, a mail-in, you know, FedEx service where the the mindset of Apple is this sort of hover parent, you know, the the you know, where where yeah. they're like, you you can't use a butter knife. Let me cut the crust <laughs> off for you. You're I think welcome. that's exactly right. And, and, and so everything they do is like that. In fact, it, you know, one example is that they do not trust, even with the repair that they do of a screen change, they don't trust the person, the genius, to be able to keep track of those couple of screws. They have to throw those screws away and open up a new blister pack oh, of, nice. of screws in order to screw back on the LCD plate. They certainly wouldn't trust that person to transfer over a home button so you get a new home button. Your old home button just, you know, goes away, you know, and so it's, it's, it's like the, the, you know, the big Apple is kind of a marionette kind of using their own hands to, to, uh, to control everything. So that's huge. You know, people don't realize that. No yeah. one realizes that. Wow. And it's crazy because we see kids doing those fixes. So it's like Apple will do a phone and, you know, battery screen right. swap or a laptop screen swap. But kids are doing this stuff. Yeah. And, and you're right. If you, As long as you're not using a buck knife to pry out the battery and you have the right and the safe tools and the things with the, with the repair guide, it's not it's right. not rocket science. If a genius can do it, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> They're not that. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we talk about Apple a lot, but this is about a lot more than just Apple. Right. We yeah, see right. these kind of anti-competitive practices in industry after industry. Yeah. Um, right. And going to the, you know, these these right to repair legislative events, that's where you can really talk to people and kind of become aware of that. I remember sitting and having breakfast with some of the guys from the, the farm community. You know, so it's like cell phone and and the John Deere guys are now BFFs. And I was I was stunned to find out that if you have a giant $100,000 tractor where a fuse blows in the instrument panel. You can take it out. You can see the blown fuse. You can say, if that's a blown fuse, you can even go down to Napa Auto Parts and get a standard fuse and put it back in there. Fixed. Go plow. And then when you when you screw that back in, you start that tractor up, it'll say, whoa, 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 whoa. Somebody unplug the instrument panel. I can't do anything <laughs> until you get the guy with the, you know, the, the magic device to plug me in and, and do it and, you know, essentially do an iTunes restore. That costs a thousand dollars minimum and you're on their schedule. So if you're the little guy and you need to plow today because it's going to rain tomorrow, yeah. you're totally out of luck. I mean, it's outrageous the right. level of control that we are allowing these manufacturers to have over the things that we bought and paid for. This is our food. The, the I mean, these tractors and things are our food. And, and yeah. yeah, if I know the ag community well enough, and definitely don't stand for that. Right. But yeah, so John Deere. So I think a lot of people here is, you know, point to Apple for this thing because, well, they're in the news the most about it. And they're kind of... Um, Ad, they're kind of on the opposite end and fighting maybe the hardest. But you're right. So it's John Deere. Um, what other, I mean, we've got uh, Nikon all, all across yeah. the board. Gay, I would be interested from your perspective. Why do these companies think they can get away with this? Like, why, why are we seeing so many companies have these anti-competitive strategies where they're they're you know doing everything they can to shut down the the independent repair options? Well, I think it's obvious that they really just want to sell new equipment. That's how that's their business. It's always been their business, and it's just been easy for them with the excuse of a bit of software inside a, a mystery box to tell consumers that they can't. And we've just said, okay, and it makes no sense. It isn't 
dangerous for the manufacturer. They don't get hurt if you repair your own stuff. But what it does do, and we saw this very definitely in the Apple financials, is every repair is a sale lost. So it is definitely something they're going to fight as long as they possibly can. And they're going to stall it as long as they possibly can because they just make more money. Um, it's the perfect storm for a manufacturer to be able to not only have no used competition, but have total control of the price of repair and then rig the price of repair so that you don't want to repair your stuff. You want to replace it. It's we're they're never going to agree. And when, when we're meeting with legislators and they're trying to find a middle ground, it's very hard because we have to say there really is never going to be a middle ground. There is no way that John Deere is going to back off on this fight unless they're totally exempt. Same thing with Apple, totally exempt. And it's funny because Apple will say, well, we think these are the, these are the lobbyist experiences. We think farmers should be able to fix their tractors, but not their phones. And then you, you hear from the John Deere um, lobbyist on the other side is that, oh, you absolutely should be able to fix your phone, just not your tractor. It's pretty ludicrous. And pointing back to your original question about what people can do when they meet with legislators is literally just tell your personal story. It's Jessa has a level of expertise that most of us don't have. You don't have to, you don't have to be Jessa. You could say, like I've said, my refrigerator. <laughs> Everybody has broken <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and you'll be amazed. Um, the legislators have these exact same experiences. And so what starts out as a, as a nervous experience turns into a very collegial, oh my God, we have the same problems, so glad to work on this. It's, you'll be stunned at how warmly this idea is received. So I'd love to get a feel. Nathan, you've been in the legislature fighting battles and, and, and you, you've uh, successfully beaten some very big companies in the past. Walk us through, like, wh what is the strategy here? How are we going to, how are we going to get right to repair past? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, I mean, we really do have an incredibly well funded and sophisticated opposition, right? Um, you, you know, given the experience that Gay was just talking about, like walking into a legislator's office, getting them to, to be like, have an aha moment with you because they realize that they've had this exact experience. Like, why don't we just win these bills? And I think, yeah, you can't underestimate how hard the opposition is pushing against us. And in every state we've gone into, you know, the opposition has been ahead of us. They know it's coming. They hire the most expensive uh, lobbyist representation in the state, typically. And the way you become the most expensive lobbyist in a state is you give the most campaign donations to the most people in the legislature, which means that you can get a meeting with anybody. And so they go in those meetings and then they do what we call Sowing fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And Fud. their message is, you know, if people try to fix stuff or they, they hire their own repair technicians, they're going to, it's going to be dangerous. Their personal, I mean, we, we're doing a, a hearing in New Hampshire next week. Last year, there was a uh, person in New Hampshire who testified that if we didn't have software locks on, chainsaws people would soup up their chainsaws to the point where the chains would come spinning off and 
hit that because people are just itching to turn their chainsaws into a more dangerous tool than they already are. I've heard that about tractors too, like people souping up their tractors and like, right. okay, there we go. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, so, but but they, they say, oh, we can't be trusted to fix it because we'll make it dangerous. And the people we hire to fix it, if we're not hiring the manufacturer, those people are not trustworthy. And we as the consumers really should not be trusted to choose our own repair technicians Need to, we need the manufacturers to vet those people for us. Um, and that's why it's re- the really important thing is that we put the people who are actually fixing this stuff in front of those legislators and so that they can try to explain to us why these people aren't qualified, right. why they're trustworthy. Yeah. And especially uh, the one thing I wanted to plug here was that one of the, the uh, industry has created this fake uh, security uh, front group that uh, testifies and argues that, you know, if we let Jessa fix your phone, it's, you know, it's a huge security risk. And Jessa could, you know, basically steal your identity or something. And I'm going to, I'm going to toggle over and I will, I will show this organization. So this looks like a legitimate uh, security organization. Uh, This is not a organization that exists. This is a purely fake website and a fake organization that was created by the manufacturers specifically to stop right to repair. Uh, It has no staff. If you, if you call them, uh, a person at a lobbying organization will answer. If you ask them to testify, they have to go and, and, you know, find somebody real quick to testify because they don't have any experts on staff. But this is the kind of thing, like, they, they pretty much have to, like, the manufacturers are so afraid of opposing us publicly that they are setting up fake organizations to come after us, which I think is, is a pretty good indication that they know that they're on the wrong side of history. Um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, every time we, we have a conversation about security, we say, well, fine, we'll bring in, you know, one of the top cybersecurity experts from Harvard and they'll happily debate your fake security guy, uh, because we're right and, and you're crazy. <laughs> and, yeah. and when we're able to actually sit down and have those informed conversations with legislators, it goes pretty well. So, yeah. and they, so that was one thing I wanted to plug was that, um, Paul Roberts of the security ledger, which is a kind of a security blog and, and podcast is start trying to start a group of people who are experts in cybersecurity that can help us kind of put together some materials to counter this fake group. And so he started a handle called secure repair where the RE is shared between secure and repair. So it also looks like secure repair. Um, and you can find it on Twitter at secure repair, or you can use the hashtag. And then um, if you follow that account or you connect with that account, uh, you know, you can be connected with with those efforts. We're going to create this group. We're going to put together materials, and we're going to help uh, you know kind of counter these this fear, uncertainty, and doubt about cybersecurity that the industry is throwing up in our way. So let's let's talk through our kind of state by state. Well, let's. let's- yeah, I was going to say, before we get in there, I know Zach from Jerry Rig Everything just chimed in, and he's been doing you know durability tests and repair for a really long time. Another person we'd love to have on the show at some point. I just wanted to say hi before that. Hi, Zach. And with that, a lot of people are asking, we were talking about different brands and where we see yeah. this uh, Tesla and uh, the kind of the closed circuit that Tesla has. But you recently shared that they are sharing their parts catalog. So what's... Yeah. So, I mean, this is, an, uh, I think, demonstrates how the legislation could be successful. So Massachusetts passed the law. And so if, if Tesla wants to sell cars in Massachusetts, they have to comply with the auto uh, right to repair law. And so part of how they are starting to do that is they have put online a, uh, a Tesla parts um, uh, kind of navigator where you can actually find and see 
Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go over and I'll show you this parts catalog, but, uh, this is pretty cool. So, so you got login, but then you can click the general public button. There's no way Tesla would be doing this if they weren't legally required to. And then you can actually go over and that when we can look and we can find the actual model number of a piece of the door controller. And so here's all, all the model numbers. And then, and then, you know, if you're in Massachusetts, then maybe they will sell you parts. Um, and so, so this is what we'd like to see from every manufacturer. Clearly it's possible. Tesla did it here and, uh, and we're, we're looking forward to, so this is a little bit of a vision of what would it look like if we actually won. Yeah. Uh, And so the goal for, so somebody was asking, okay, what's the goal for right to repair this year where we've got bills introduced in 19 States last year. uh, We had 19 States last year. We're we're aiming for more than that this year. The goal is to get it passed. And so the question is, how do we get a state bill passed? Um, Nathan, walk it, walk me through, like, what is the process that a bill has to go through in, in a typical state, uh, in order to become a law? Yeah. Uh, so typically what you'll have is that first the bill will need a sponsor and it will need to be introduced. So we'll need a legislator to take the bill on to file language. We have sample language. You can go to repair.org, I think, slash legislation, and you can download it yourself if you want. Um, then that bill typically is assigned to a committee. The committee will hear the bill. That's where we'll have testimony. It's great. We like to bring in people who are experts in, you know, like the technical side of repair, people who maybe work at end of life for electronics, either recyclers or refurbishers, people who work in zero waste and care about those issues. Um, and after the committee, the committee will either, you know, pass the bill or recommend the bill, and then it will move to like – the, the full chamber. Um, and that, that process can happen sometimes in parallel between the two houses of a legislature. It's mo- most states, except for Nebraska, have uh, an assembly or a house and then a Senate um, before uh, going on to the governor for, for signing. So, But to us, the, real, the really critical parts of this are getting through the committee process. Those are the people who are going to have the highest level of knowledge about the issue and have the highest bar of actually understanding the issue before they make a recommendation. And, you know, that's where we're focused on. We passed three committees last year, um, which was the first we'd done that. So we, we, we believe we have a lot of momentum towards, you know, kind of advancing past that stage of the process, getting to full votes in, in, in legislatures. And, you know, just given how popular this issue is, we think that, you know, once we get to that stage, we'll have what we, what it takes to win. But, you know, we, it, it does it does take a lot of work to get to that stage. So we uh, have done a lot of groundwork uh, uh, over the last year to get ready. Uh, and as a result of that groundwork, we have a whole bunch of states that have already introduced bills in 2019. So this is a map of U.S. states that have introduced bills. Hawaii has introduced a bill, Montana, North Dakota, um, all over the place. And we actually, as a result of all that, that work, we're going to be having a series of hearings probably in all of these states uh, or in many of these states over over the next few months. Um, there are more states that are going to be coming online and we'll, we'll be posting as, as more states introduce bills. And for every single one one of these states, we've put together these handy pages. So uh, New Hampshire, for example, has a hearing uh, next week. Uh, New Hampshire has a hearing on Tuesday at two o'clock. And so if you're in New Hampshire or you know someone that's near New Hampshire, show up uh, and just like being at the hearing, whether you're testifying or not, uh, is is a great show of support for, for the bill. Like people, they really like to see a crowded room. One of the things that I, um, that I learned 
when we've gone out to some of these states is that the important time isn't necessarily the day that there's a, a, a public discussion or public forum. So when we all went out to Nebraska, it was very disappointing and frustrating. And we, we were limited to three minutes each to talk. And after that, we found out by just kind of asking these guys, hey, how many times have you already been visited by the opposition lobbyists like Apple? And they said, oh, they've been here at least six times in my office. Well, you can't compete with somebody spending six hours in someone's office when you have a three-minute blurb to say. So you need to, to get in there and to get, get the appointments with your representative before and in addition to when it's your time to actually you know, participate in some sort of an open public forum in your state. So it's, you, you, you got to get in there ahead of time, I think. Yeah, that's a terrific point. And then I'll also say, because I was, this is, you know, happening in New Hampshire right now, like invite your, if you run a repair shop, invite your legislator to come and visit your business. Show that that person what kind of repairs you do, what kind of repairs you're blocked from doing, you know, what you have to do to kind of make up for the fact that manufacturers won't give you the parts and and service information that you need to, to, to do all the jobs that you could do if you had that information. Yeah, I, I would also say that I, um, I, I want to make it clear that, as, at least as far as I know, this has never come up for a vote in any of the states. So we, it feels like, ah, yeah, right to repair, right to repair. It's been going on for a long time, never gets passed. But it also doesn't get voted down. It just doesn't make it out of the committee and be the thing, the one thing that the entire legislator is actually going to make a yes or no on that year. So it percolates and it continues to percolate. So it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease with this stuff. That's what I've learned talking to these guys. So if you're a legislator, you got to make a budget. So budget takes up a big chunk of time. Once that's done, you have this limited window, weeks of time to get anything else done. So these guys are looking for what's the easy, low-hanging fruit to bang out. Right to repair is big and difficult, and they got to put some thought into it. And the only way to make that become a priority for any state legislator is you got to be loud and, and let them know that their constituents, this is the thing that, that should get their attention this, this session. That's why, you know, this stuff is so important. Everybody's role is important. Your phone call is really important. Right. It, it creates that that right. noise. And that's where figuring out who your legislator are is really important. Um, over here, I've got this is I, I'm in California. So I went to California.repair.org. And then I punched in our address. And then you hit start writing. And then right here, it's going to say, okay, my representatives are Jordan Cunningham and Bill Monning. So now I know. And uh, we are going to be able to, uh, you know, th- then I can I can I can write them a letter right here. And this is the this is the bill in California from last year. We're working on a bill number for this year. Um, and uh, that will uh, – that carries – so get as many of your friends and family as you possibly can to fill this out because those letters are you know, the first step in the door. Um, after you've uh, written a letter and you maybe want to get involved in and, – and, and, and what would be maybe the next step that you would recommend that, that people do? Um, Jessa or Gay? I would recommend, go ahead, Gay, you, you should answer. <laughs> um, that's all you really need to do. 
as a as a constituent is use your power. And this is not like going to some anonymous voting booth where, you know, everybody in your neighborhood who has maybe crazy opinions on stuff is is wiping out your vote. Your voice is the only voice um, because Apple doesn't vote in their district. It's your voice that carries the power. And if you don't use it, we can't make you. But damn, it's an awfully good opportunity um, because it is in the in, in the realm of the uh, legislature to do something. And I disagree a little bit with um, the getting the bills through committee because not every state has committees. Committees are often structured to be a bit of a kabuki dance. Um, there's sometimes legislators don't even show up. So I wouldn't focus so much on the hearing process as on the show and tell and the personal contacts. Um, if you can get some, if you can just show up with something that's broken and sit down with the guy and show him how you fix it. It's a mystery to so many people that this is just a bunch of parts. They're small. That's just, they're just small. Uh, so yeah, use your power as a constituent because it, it, it is real power. We have another comment from Ann saying, can we get email notifications with a bit of lead time for states where the bills are introduced or possibly introduced? Or do you said for committee hearings? So like maybe don't focus on... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be publishing on a regular basis on the repair.org blog as new things happen. But if you want to get really engaged and involved and, in your state, and it's one of the states that, that, uh, we've got, uh, that we've already got on this map, um, we do have a coalition going. And so you can email, uh, Gay, uh, she, I'll, I'll put her email address up on the, on the chat. But if you want to email Gay and say, Hey, I'm in New Hampshire and I'd really like to get involved. I know there's a hearing next week. Then Gay can connect you with the people who are, who are organizing things in, in the, the state. Yeah. And then the best way to do that, go to repair.org. There's a, there's, there's a contact form there. Um, but we'll also, um, uh, uh, do you want to put, just put her email in the chat? So Scott Ferguson's passionate about this. He's um, was sounds like in the repair industry, but yeah, he just wants to, um, some more modes of attack. And I would say just to reach out to us. You're you know from your state, reach out to us, and then we can connect you with the people. Or Repair.org can connect you with the people. But we need action yeah. at the state level. Yeah. So if you look at that map, and basically all those places, there are people that are kind of coming up with a strategy specific to that place. And there are other places where we have secret plans, which you shall not know of. I know the manufacturers who are currently listening to this, they're going to have to wait to see what we're going to do in some of those other places. But um, yeah, so if, but if you're in any of those states, um, you can reach out and be connected with the other people in your state who've kind of come up with a plan for what it'll take to get over the top there. And, you know, those things vary by state. You know, it's every state has its own kind of sense of, who are, who are the important people that are, are going to need to make the decision and how we're going to get them to do that. Uh, and then, and of course, you're, if you're in a state where you don't see it on that list, it doesn't mean that there won't be uh, a bill filed. Um, so you could always, you know, one, reach out to your own legislators and ask them to file a bill or two, kind of ask us if we have one in the works. Yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing so many people that are like, here's my state. I want to help. So I want to follow up with some of these people on here, which is great. Um, A comment came in from Nicholas Wool. um, I'm not one who plans to fix my own stuff. Don't want to accidentally make things worse. Nicholas, you haven't been listening. You can totally do so many of these repairs. (laughs) And if you have the guide and that's what we're fighting for is just the the information, be able to do it right. You can do it. So I believe in you. But but I would also say, even if you're never going to do a repair yourself, Right to Repair will help you because it's going – 
let's say you're the kind of person that only ever wants to take your repairs to Apple. Right to repair will make your life better because what it's going to do is keep Apple honest. It's going to keep competition out there. Uh, if, if the, the car dealers didn't have local mechanics that they had to compete with, they would be charging a lot more than they do for repairs. They're already expensive. They would be a lot more expensive. A monopoly market hurts everybody, even the people who only use the manufacturer option. Yeah. And you, and if you're not one to fix things and the, the choice is there for you to go to those pros and to yeah. seek that help and to go to those, I want people to start thinking about going to pros for it's like DIY, then go to your pros as you know, as opposed to just thinking that Apple or your your manufacturer right. is the only option because I would hate to have to drive my car just to the dealership to get right. an oil change every single time. And just I constantly compare it to that to try to rationalize it. Well, and we live in a world where you know a lot of people are throwing things away. You know, if you if you crack your phone, some people toss it in a drawer and keep it as a backup and go get a new one. They're not getting it fixed at all. Where with your car, nobody's gonna throw away a car because you cracked the windshield, right? Assume the assumption is we're going to get that repaired. But if you have a vacuum that breaks, uh, a lot of people have stopped fixing vacuums. They're just going to go and buy a new one. Your typical appliance only lasts five to seven years these days. So we need to move back to a world where repair is the default option. Uh, and, and this kind of legislation will help create more of a, more of an ecosystem. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I wanted to mention. It, it, we're not talking a lot about Republicans or Democrats or, or Trump versus Pelosi in this conversation. We're working on a political issue and that we need legislators to pass this, but this is a bipartisan issue. Uh, in, in Republican, a lot of these states are, are Republican led states and the Republicans care about this because it's a free market issue, because it's about local small business, because it's about creating more American self-reliance from Chinese manufacturers, right? So the, we have a lot of, of diehard free market Republicans that are super in favor of this. And on the, on the Democrat side, uh, there's a lot of interest in the environmental benefits of this. I'm getting I would say I would add to what you guys just said about if you're an end user that is never going to fix anything yourself, it's still good for you to have the shop down the corner that can do that. And what I would say to the end user is you have no idea how tenuous the existence of that shop is. All it would take for your corner shop to go out of business would be for iOS 13 to come out and to require a serial number from the screen on your phone so that you couldn't just replace it with an, with an aftermarket screen or somebody else's refurbished OEM screen. It's that, it's, it's that close to being completely unrepairable. And if that happens, whether you're an end user or whether you're a repair shop, you're really going to regret it if you never made your voice heard now in support of right to repair right and i would uh, this happened with uh with cameras so i'm gonna I'll, I'll click over and i'll show an article on this is on the consumer electronics page on repair.org uh in 2012 nikon decided that they were going to stop selling service parts to camera shops so here in our little town of san luis obispo we had two independent local camera shops that had been there for 50 years they're fantastic there was jim's campus camera right downtown and they made money in two ways they would sell new cameras and lenses and they would fix things and amazon had eroded their new camera sales and so they were increasingly dependent on service 
service. Nikon saw an opportunity and said, hey, you know, we only have 50% market share repairs. If we get rid of the independents, we'll have 100% market share. And so they stopped selling parts to these independent camera shops and, and they all went out of business. And now, like, good luck finding a local camera shop in a small town in America. They don't really exist anymore. We don't have any camera stores in San Luis Obispo. It's a very photogenic place. People like taking pictures. Uh, people, still, people still have lots of cameras, but now your only option, if you have a fancy high-end Nikon Canon, is to mail it in, or uh, uh, Nikon cameras to mail it into Nikon, which is terrible. Uh, it's it's hurt the local economy. It's it's hurt consumers. I think it's hurt Nikon long term. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got about five minutes left, and I just want to kind of pay attention to all of the like repair stories coming in. Somebody just upgraded the RAM on their Mac Mini. Um, somebody's talking about checking out Fix It Clinics. That's another awesome resource. Repair cafes are popping up everywhere, and it's a huge resource if you you know want help fixing a lot of these things yourself. iPhone six screening kit. So um, and and this is in itself evidence that people are capable of fixing their own things. So it's just like, this is fantastic. Yeah. So there's a lot of exciting things happening with Retro Repair. Nathan, where do we have hearings uh, next week? Yeah. So on Tuesday, we have hearings in both New Hampshire and Washington state. And then Wednesday, South Dakota. So I know all you... Oh, Nathan, Nathan, cut out for a minute. But yeah, no, so, so, I mean, it's, this is, there's so much momentum that is going to be happening over the next, we have another call. We're going to do this again, same time, same place in two weeks. Uh, but in between now and then, uh, there is going to be a, uh, a lot of action. So stay tuned. You should follow, uh, Repair Coalition on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, I am actually realizing two weeks is February the 14th. It's Valentine's Day. So should we do it on Valentine's Day? That works. Okay. All right. So Valentine's Day, repair.org. Yeah. Uh, right to repair call. We'll be on it. We will have Lewis Rossman here next time, uh, which we're very much looking forward to. Uh, so Valentine's date with Lewis. Uh, which will be awesome. Um, I don't know if he knows this yet, but we're telling him. We're, we're telling It'll be good. Um, awesome. And uh, Yeah, I'm going to go back through comments and to respond to some stuff and um, reach out to everybody. But the participation has been great, and we really want to see people back here. Um, and then we can also you know, have um, Nathan talk a little bit more about the states that need the most help, like this week or right now. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know if Nathan, is there just a – you said there are a couple states that have hearings – so yeah, we, so I want to give that sorry. To if, I'm sorry if I cut out for a second. So um, they're on to us now. Uh, so New Hampshire is on Tuesday. Washington State is also on Tuesday. South Dakota is on Wednesday. Um, if you live in South Dakota, you can call into that if you let us know. Um, I, my Twitter handle is at n proctor p r o c t o r. If you ever have a question, um, I'm way too connected to my Twitter account. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a good way to find us quickly, too. Yeah. So reach out to uh, uh, Gay, at, which is at Repair Coalition on Twitter, Nathan and Proctor uh, or I fix it. And then uh, you can also if you want to get involved and volunteer in one of these states, uh, fill out the forum on Repair.org and that'll that'll connect you with Gay and she will connect you with the coalition in your state. Uh, this isn't going to happen without grassroots uh, support. We have huge support. We've had a thousand people write their legislators in the last week. The momentum is building. There's a lot of action going on. Um, so but but it's not going to happen without you. As we've seen last year, Apple uh, smacked us down 19 states in a row. Uh, we ha- are well on our way to do a lot better than that this year, uh, but we can't do it without your help. 
So keep coming back. Join us on the call. Again, it'll be bi-weekly, same time, same place. And we'll keep you updated on, on everything with Right to Repair and how you can be involved. So thanks for joining us. We're like 40 people on. It's pretty great. Absolutely. Yeah. This is awesome. This is super fun. And and we're going to be posting this as a podcast later as well. Yeah. Uh, some people were asking if they could call in or how they could hear it. But it yeah. will be posted on a podcast and it will go up on our channel as well. So you can watch it there too. Cool. Have awesome. a wonderful